Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Thursday, March 5th. My name is Javier Reyes, your host of this year Lockdown Padres podcast. Check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapino. And if you feel so inclined, hit me up on there with any questions you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them here on the show. And yet again, week four of the podcast, guys, week four of the brand new Lockdown Padres podcast. And yet again, another Thursday with a guest. And I'm being joined by, on the line from a currently undisclosed location, is Mr. Ben Kaspik, the host of the Locked On Giants podcast. How are you doing, man? Doing great. Thanks for having me. I'm thrilled to have you, man, as a divisional rival, of course, in the NL West. Wants to talk to you just, just basically about the Giants this season. And I guess to, to frame things, to start things off, if, if you had to do like an elevator pitch, if you had to summarize to describe the outlook on what people should be looking forward to in the Giants season, how would you do so? Should people be excited if uh, <clears throat> at all? You know, what, what's, the, what's the breakdown there? Right. So opinions vary widely. In fact, actually, maybe they don't. People are generally down on the Giants. But actually, on my show, I think I'm probably higher on them than most, not necessarily on their chances of like contending and certainly challenging the Dodgers in the division. But as you know, uh, Farhan Zaidi came over here to be the president of baseball operations, leaving Mm -hmm. the Dodgers, where he had a lot of success in helping to build that organization into what it is today. And I think it's taken a while, but we're starting to see the fruits of that labor. And last season, there were some good players who kind of came out of nowhere to have successful seasons with the Giants. And then this year, it's extremely interesting because Bruce Bochy retired at the end of the season and they've brought in a new manager in Gabe Kapler. And he brought in an entirely new coaching staff that's very development oriented. And so they're all working on swing changes and adjusting their approaches. So when you combine that, the the new coaching staff with what Farhan Zaidi has been able to do, I think that things are looking up and people are kind of down on them, but I, I just see that the future is bright and I'm looking forward to seeing the season play out. It's interesting because it feels a lot like over the course of the off season, the giants are kind of, they're reaching that new era. You know, they're like you said, like they're hiring a bunch of people and it feels like they are, there's like a positivity around that fan base right now. Maybe that's because of the multiple World Series victories and the total domination of the division for the most part right. over the last decade. So there's kind of room to be optimistic and room to be patient, I guess, with the team. And I personally, you know, even though I'm a Padres fan, I don't hate the Giants. I actually quite like them. I've always enjoyed their teams. Very kind of th- these weird teams that don't always have like they have stars. Don't get me wrong. Obviously, you guys have had Buster Posey for what feels like 28 years. But right. <laughs> it's definitely one of those teams that's kind of quirky in its own way. And I actually think that, I'm not going to lie, Hunter Pence is just one of my favorite players in all of baseball right now. And that's partially because I just love the fact that there's this guy with this ridiculous kind of looking swing that's really good. And at times <laughs> was like a top like eight outfielder around that range. And right. I also like that he's part of like the nerd like video game community. I've seen him on a bunch of stuff and podcasts before. So big fan of Hunter Pence. Yeah. What do you think? The Giants finished last year with a 77-85 record. And I, along with some others, as you mentioned, it feels like they kind of, that was a little bit of a stretch, right? It feels like that was a little bit maybe them playing over their heads a little bit. Do you think that they can replicate that? Do you think they're going to be worse, better? What, like, what do you think a good win total that you think you could project for them? 
Yeah, I mean, that's a tough question. I think last year, I do think it was a little bit of an overperformance. And if you look at their run differential and what kind of the expected win-loss record would be based on that run differential, it was significantly worse. I think it was 71 and 91 mm-hmm. based on the run differential. Um, but this year, they're a different team, and they lost Madison Bumgarner. They lost Will Smith. Stephen Vogt was a big player for them as a supplement to Buster Posey, who's declined recently, and Vote kind of actually stepped in and was huge for them. But anyway, this season is different, but to me, they've added a lot of depth, and they have some minor leaguers who are intriguing, who are coming, like Joey Bart. So it's really hard to like project exactly how they're going to play. But I do want to point out that last year, starting January, uh, excuse me, June 1st, they actually were 55 and 51, kind of quietly. Mm. We're an above 500 team for the last four months of the season. A lot of that was fueled by a, a July in which they went, I think, something like 19 and 6 in the month of July. So we saw flashes of the fact that they were capable of playing well. They had some players who had really strong seasons that we didn't necessarily expect. One of those players, Alex Dickerson, coming over in a trade with the Padres, he really did well for the Giants when he was healthy and then he got hurt, which was basically the story of his entire time with the Padres. But anyway, for this season, I think Mm -hmm. projection systems have the Giants as like a 70 win team. And I think that's a fair kind of pessimistic viewpoint. But I also think that for me, I see them more getting to the mid seventies trading off at the deadline, like all their best players who are on one year deals might change that. But I also think they have the upside and potential to, to overperform expectations and maybe, maybe just maybe even flirt with like being a 500 team. It's interesting because Right now, just according to the Pocota rankings, which I've I've checked your feed before and I've noticed that you're kind of a numbers guy, it seems. Yeah. And they're one of the lower projected teams. They're projected right now to have 68.3 wins behind the Rockies, Padres, Diamondbacks, and Dodgers, of course. It's interesting because the Giants, in a lot of ways, kind of remind me of the Spurs, where they just have this great infrastructure they've been able to build for years. Every time you're ready to count them out, they just they come roaring back. Do you think that what do you think that like what are some players do you think that like you have your eye on right now for heading into the season? Is that Jastrzemski? Is he the savior? Like who do you think is like the the three guys people should be looking out for? Yeah. Um Yastrzemski had a very, very strong finish to the season himself and had mm-hmm. a big role in kind of that turnaround that they had in July. Cause he came up late. And so when I talk about what was their record after June first, I'm not totally just picking an arbitrary date. It's more like they actually uncovered some players who then stuck with them the rest of the season. For example, Mike Yastrzemski. Um, So in terms of players I'm watching, that's the beautiful thing, I think, about this team more than in the past. And you mentioned they used to have stars, but I would say they didn't really have good depth. Like the 10th through 25th spots on the roster were kind of weak, even when they were at their best. Um, Or at least they they weren't utilizing platoons and all that. So anyway... I think that part of the roster is much better. But when you look at 2020 and who are going to be some key players, I think, yes, can Yastrzemski repeat what he did in a, in like a hundred ish games last season? If he can do that over 140 or so 140 or so games, I think that would bode really well for them. Mauricio Dubon, who I, I pronounce it Dubon. A lot of people pronounce it Dubon, but he goes by Dubon. <laughs> anyway, they got him for Drew Pomeranz 
um, who you guys signed yep. um, in a trade with the Brewers in the, in, at the deadline. And he debuted with the Giants last season and was really intriguing. And so he's another key name to watch. He's going to move around the field a la Kike Hernandez, Chris Taylor, and that type of mold. So he's a big name to watch. And then in the starting rotation, I think Kevin Gosman is another guy to watch because at times Gosman has been a really dominant pitcher um, and his stuff is really good, but he's also really struggled at times. So if he struggles, then that's bad news for them and they won't be able to get a good return in a trade if they want to do that. But I think he has the potential. I've been saying on my show, I think my bold prediction here is that he actually is going to out pitch Madison Bumgarner in 2020. I just think Ooh. there really is there really is significant uh, upside with Kevin Gosman to me. That's interesting because Gosman is one of those guys that I feel like he's been that the the prospect that never could for now at least. You know, it, anything yeah. can happen, <laughs> of course, but he's been one of those guys that for years and years and years. I mean, on Baltimore and Baltimore is is an odd team because I feel like a lot of people, including Jake Arrieta himself, say that they can't develop pitchers. So that might be an excuse for that, right? That might be a reason, but I'm looking forward to that too. Gosman is just, he's, he's one of those guys that you can't, you keep in your head. You keep remembering, Oh yeah, that was one of the top prospects of baseball at one point. And you can't right. help, but kind of root for him and kind of hope that he finally puts it together. So yeah, on that note, let's take a little bit of break. And when we get back, I want to ask you some of your thoughts on spring training and then just, just, I don't know. Maybe talk some trash a little bit, perhaps, about the Giants, just because, well, I can. Well, yeah. I can, at least, before a yeah, team that, like the Padres are projected to actually try to be contending versus the Giants, who are supposed to just be rebuilding. So uh, stay tuned, guys. Listen to the Lockdown Padres podcast, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. And we're back, everybody, here on the Lockdown Padres podcast, talking with my man, Ben, over here, the host of the Lockdown Giants podcast. Just got done talking about just an overall outlook on the Giants, a team that is rebuilding. And they've got some interesting pieces for sure, but this is one of those seasons that it's going to be a uh, not a contending one, at least by most predictions. It's very a very low likelihood that the Giants are contending this year. Now, I want to ask you, because we are in the spring after all. It is spring training time. I personally am not the biggest fan of spring training in terms of using it as a barometer for how good certain players will be, but I know that it does have its value. What are some observations you've made about the Giants in their spring training so far? Well, I'm totally with you, first of all. Spring training is way too long, in my opinion. Um, <laughs> so we're just, you know, we're already like a couple weeks in and, and we're still several weeks away from the season. And I wish it was a little different than that. But mm -hmm. in terms of the early spring, I mean, a big story coming out yesterday for the Giants was Tyler Beatty, who showed some real flashes of promise last season. He had to leave his outing with elbow tightness and he was undergoing some tests. And so actually today they're supposed to, I think, announced the results of those tests. So by the time this show comes out, we may have heard the, the outlook for Tyler Beattie and his elbow. But one of the big storylines so far is that the starting pitching for the Giants has actually been really strong in spring. It wasn't until yesterday, Tuesday, that actually Monday, that they allowed a run out of anyone who had started a game for them in spring, which included starts by Cueto, Samarja, Gosman, Smiley, and some others. And so I, I personally do think that their starting rotation is a little bit underrated with Cueto, Samarja, Gosman, and Smiley. To me, they all, I'm, not, I'm not trying to say they're like a great starting rotation, but the idea that they are like a similar team to the Marlins, to me, I just don't buy that. I think that they mm -hmm. have a much stronger base than that. And so the, the rotation's early performance in spring 
has been big. And then the other huge storyline is the the effect of the new coaching staff on the players, because several players who we've come to know and love, you know, and, and get familiar with, they look different. Like their batting stances are different. Steven Duggar, you know, he's a Giants center field prospect who's been playing off and on the last couple of years with the Giants has a completely different swing. And these new coaches, they're development oriented. They're guys who have worked with hitters in the past to overhaul their swings, which has led to good results. And I think watching that in spring and seeing how that's having an effect, like they're trying to make Billy Hamilton into a better hitter, for example. Mm -hmm. So seeing if that can happen, if he can become a slightly better hitter, then he's all of a sudden a much more valuable player than he's been in the past. So that's kind of been what I've been watching. For sure. And that's a big if on Billy Hamilton. One of the great, uh, yeah, (laughs) one of the, one of the great uh, fantasy I hate that I have to draft this guy players every year yeah. for a long time where just because you need steals. And I know he's had a couple seasons where he's had like 60, almost 70, I think, at one point. But Billy Hamilton, yeah, he's one of those guys where if he does learn how to hit, that could be an incredible player. He's, If I'm not mistaken, I don't know. I wasn't paying attention to him last year. But his defensive stats, I th- still think, are pretty solid. But we'll see. They are. Um, do you think that there are like, cause that's the funny thing about spring training is I think spring training is good for the back end of the ro- the 40 man roster. I think it's interesting to see, you know, mechanics like is a pitcher working on their third pitch that they're adding to a repertoire, like Chris Paddock on the Padres. Right. That's interesting to see. But for me, I don't care if Fernando Tatis goes Oh, 15 and strikes out five times. Like I just don't, I don't really care. Right. There's been too many moments and too many times where just to use a reference from the New York area, since I'm, from around here that I hear it all the time. They hate Greg Bird, who <laughs> infamously had just this incredible spring training, and then he just couldn't hit for an entire month. You had like a, a 100 average, which is deplorable, obviously. Right. What are Has there been any other intriguing storylines <laughs> in general from spring training? Maybe not necessarily with the Giants in general, but with other teams? Well, seeing how the league has responded to the Astros, I think, mm-hmm. is interesting. That story a little bit to me is, I haven't paid too much attention to it. I obviously think what the Astros did was was awful. Um, it's interesting to me to think about other teams that may have been blurring the lines between what was cheating and what was not, because we've heard kind of reports that other teams were doing something similar, not bang. I think the trash can is like, I totally draw the line at the <laughs> trash can. But in terms of, in terms of, like using video to try to decode signs that were being coded, like when the catcher is giving multiple signs, using video to try to figure out the pattern, because that's what players did anyway when they were on second base, for example. Like that's Mm -hmm. not cheating if you're looking in and trying to decode on your own at second. This is kind of going off on a tangent, but I just do wonder how many teams were actually doing that because Mm -hmm. my kind of understanding based on hearing things hearing, you know, just little leaks come out is that maybe that was really widespread. And um, so I'll be interested to hear if that happens, because then, you know, the Red Sox suspensions like haven't been handed out yet. Like we haven't heard with Alex Cora. Uh, We haven't heard maybe there were players who were implicated in that on the Red Sox. So I think there's more to come here with the cheating scandal. And then besides that, um, I don't know. uh, I haven't been, I've been so hyper-focused on the Giants. I mean, I'm hearing all the stories, but nothing necessarily is jumping to mind other than the Astros story. 
It's it's been interesting, and it's been one of the off seasons where, uh, shockingly, people are really talking about baseball a lot. Not just because of the season, and there's a lot of good stuff to look forward to, but the Astros have been a big part of that. And I can't lie, it's made me more excited for the season. I'm just curious to see what happens. I I love all that stupid drama stuff. Every now and then, it's really just it's entertaining, and it's nice, I guess, to add some personality to the game when it's sometimes lacking it. Then the Giants play the Padres for the first time. Um, it's in San Diego. It's Monday, March 30th. So it will be by the end of the month, we will finally be facing each other. I'm looking forward yeah. to that because the Giants, in theory, are not nearly as talented or going to be as good as the Padres. However, they still had a better record than last year. So I'm not going to, I don't want to jinx it maybe too much. I mean, I did say I wanted to talk some trash, but I guess I just have so much respect for the Giants. Do you have any like, things you're looking forward to between our two teams as matchups? Like, is there any notes you have on that perhaps? Yeah. Well, I'm interested to see if the Padres can finally put it together because last year entering the season, I was high on their chances of, Mm -hmm. I thought like flirting with 500 was a realistic goal for the Padres in 2019. And then kind of looking ahead, I thought that 2020 would be the year that they took that step forward and entered like real contender status. But as you alluded to, 2019 did not go well for the Padres, especially, I think, in the second half. Uh, Correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah, second half was pretty rough. And especially the the last, like, two weeks of the season, I think you ended, like, one and nine, right, in the last (laughs) ten? Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I like the Padres. I mean, their farm system remains really strong. I don't know if Mackenzie Gore is supposed to debut this year. but Maybe towards the end. Yeah, I'm excited to see him and all the other young players. I like Tommy Pham. Manny Machado needs to to be better for the next nine years because yeah. this wasn't his best debut season. Eric Hosmer, that contract to me was bad, like from the moment they signed it. So yeah, <laughs> um, I don't really understand what's going on with him there. But Fernando Tessis Jr. is very exciting to watch. I I enjoy watching him play. Every time these two two teams play, it was sad to see him go down with the injury when he did last year. Chris Paddock got a taste of him. I think he may, he may have made his debut against the Giants last season. I could be misremembering that, but mm-hmm. really like his stuff as well. I think the Padres pitching is a little underrated with like Garrett Richards and Denilson Lamette coming mm-hmm. back um, and Paddock and I'm forgetting whoever else, but there's Joey uh, Lucchese and whatnot. It's, it's a rotation with, with upside, I think is the big thing. And especially when you've got guys like Luis Patino and Mackenzie Gore, who Gore, the, the latter is definitely a lot farther along. Of course, Patino still only 20 years right. old, but it's definitely a team that how I look at it. I just don't understand how it could be worse. Like this is a team that everything kind of had to go the wrong way. And Machado was still solid. He just wasn't, you know, $300 million solid or right. good. You know, that's right. the big problem with him. And I think yeah. there are some numbers that suggest a bounce back. His bad whip was a little bit low, just little things like that. And I think he's, right. he's motivated to, to really do well. So I'm excited about that. Yeah. yeah. To be clear, I don't want to say that the Padres losing 92 games had anything to do with Machado. I think you're yeah. right. Like if mm-hmm. he could just do that, it's, it's really the rest of the roster to kind of perform around him probably mm-hmm. is more significant. And I'm also excited to see the Padres bullpen. The Padres, Pitching yeah. has been tough historically and tough on the Giants. Uh, the bullpen especially just been has been a strength for that team. And I think they really, really have a strong bullpen this season. Drew Pomeranz was dominant with the Brewers as a reliever. He was dominant with the Giants for like four innings as a reliever. <laughs> yeah. They had him in the pen. 
um, and, for uh, sure. and then the trade for Yates, or is it Yates? No, sorry, Emilio Pagan. Yeah, Emilio Pagan. You have Yates already. Um, yeah, mm-hmm. that's a that's an electric pen, and that's going to help the Padres hold hold leads in mm-hmm. pretty much every game they have one. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting. Ben, do you have any any final thoughts? Any things you'd like to plug before I let you go? Um, <laughs> any things I'd like to plug? Uh, check me out on Twitter. Um, I provide. I try to be ad- objective. I think you know, talking about the Padres, like I'm not afraid to say that I hope they do well. I hope it turns. I hope that they're able to succeed with the blueprint that they've put in place. And so I look forward to talking with you throughout the season, and we can give objective analysis of how these two teams are doing. Uh, mm-hmm. without having to get too acting as if our team is better than the other team without any data to back it up. So right, I'd right. just be interested. I think these teams, at least in the, maybe the, in like two or three years, might be more even evenly matched right now. I think the Padres have the advantage, certainly, mm-hmm. from a talent perspective. But I look forward to the Giants rising up to being a similar team to the Padres in years to come. We'll see if that happens. It was great having you on. I assume first of many and probably we'll be talking again soon because the Giants will be playing, like I said, March 30th. And then I think the Padres have a series with the Cubs and then we're right back against the Giants. So it's definitely, that's going to be a storyline to follow, which is interesting. So that's why I really want to have you on. But that's it. That does it for today's edition, everybody, of the Lockdown Padres podcast the only pod that may be better than the padres themselves still making that joke remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcast from follow me the show whatever on twitter follow ben on twitter follow the lockdown giants podcast on twitter there's a theme here going on obviously but until next time stay faithful my fire faithful homies and take care